Hebrews chapter 11 real quick. We'll go to two passages, Hebrews 11 and Deuteronomy 1. Hebrews 11 and Deuteronomy 1. We'll be in both of those. If you got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see. All right, okay. Hey, you know, 90% of people who take notes make it to heaven. Did you know that? (laughs) 97% of people who make up statistics go to hell. Um, I just made that one up. I'm sorry. So... But I hope you do. I hope you're taking some notes. Uh, that's why we print them for you. And uh, if you didn't get a binder, if you don't have a binder, we have binders back there at the guest services. Make sure to grab a binder so you can start collecting those. And, and uh, there's just something about when God starts speaking to you that you need to document those things. How many know so you can go back to it later on? How many know sometimes God gives you a word in this season that you're going to need for a next season? It's not necessarily a word for this season you're in. You're like, ah, I don't know this really. And then you go through something. You're like, oh, wait, I need to go back to whatever that message was back in the day. And so that's why we do notes for you. And, and also so you can write it down and retain it in memory as you write it, hear it, read it. It really, it really helps. And so Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be. Let's go ahead and read it together. And it says this, and it is impossible to please God without, what's that word? Without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he, what's that word? Rewards. That he rewards those who sincerely seek him. How many are here tonight seeking Jesus? Anybody in here? Well, I've got good news for you. If you're seeking him sincerely, you desire to want to love God, as Pastor Bubba said, that we want you to be passionate about Jesus, that you leave this place passionate about Jesus. And if that's your desire, if that's your aim, the Bible says that God rewards those people. Come on, how many of you like a good reward? God rewards these people. But I want us to catch back up at the beginning because I think we can skip over it and that it is impossible to please God without faith. That a part of this journey of following Jesus, pursuing Jesus, is this element of faith. That really you can't even know Christ apart from faith. The Bible says that God even is the one who gives us the faith. But we also know that it's a part of our job as well to grow in faith. How many know God is not content with you just having a little faith? He wants you to have great faith. And it's impossible for us to please God without faith. But if we come to him and if we believe in him and if we seek him, he will reward us. So with this idea of faith, I want you to also begin to to understand that on this journey of faith, as God brings us on this journey of faith, this church was built on faith. We launched out in Jennings. Pastor Bill, Miss Tracy launched out here in faith. Not knowing what would be on the other side. How many know sometimes faith is stepping into something that's totally unknown? You have no idea what's on the other side of that decision. You have no idea what's on the other side of of where you're going to go. But it's a faith journey. Continually trusting in the Lord every step of of, of your walk with God. And in this journey of faith, there's going to be one majorly big element that is going to come against that faith. And it is the word fear. Fear. Fear is one of the greatest things that will stunt your faith, that will paralyze your faith, that will stop you from growing in faith, is fear. We all face it. And so today I want us to dive into a story. And uh, we'll start in Deuteronomy and then we'll, we'll go to Numbers. But starting in Deuteronomy about the children of Israel. And uh, let me lay a, a quick little groundwork and, and we're going to dive right into it and go quick. Um, this message isn't long. But I want to be poignant with this idea of how do we begin to have 
a different spirit. Today, the message is called a different spirit. You'll see why in just a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter one, let's go there. It says this. Everybody say that first word with me. See. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. So let me just give you a quick backstory. Israel has, the, the children of Israel have been freed from Egyptian slavery. Moses went in, you know, let my people go. That whole, we've all seen the movie. You know, they go through the Red Sea. All of that that begins to happen. God sets them free from years and years and years of bondage. They're, they're, they are set free. But how many know that when God sets you free from one thing, it doesn't mean that he's not done yet? He's still wanting to, even though he's set you free physically, there's still some things spiritually and emotionally he wants to set you free. And Pastor Bobby even made mention of that. Just because we can be free in one thing doesn't mean we're free in all things. So God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and, and now he's wanting them to see something greater than what they saw just in Egypt. And that is a place that he wants to bring them. He says, see that the Lord your God has set the land before you. This is the promised land. This is a land that God has promised them for many years. What's this next word? Go. See and go. Go up. Take possession. As the Lord, the the God of your fathers has told you, here we go, do not fear. Do not fear or be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. Okay, so I want you to write the two words down. See and go. One of the things that God wants us to do in the very beginning of our faith journey is God wants us to see where he is taking us. God is not content with you staying where you're at. Have you ever noticed that? Every time you think you're like, oh man, okay, I'm in a good season, God's like, all right, let's keep on moving. And you're like, no, I'm really good right here. And this is good. And this is, I'm in a good place right here. It's comfortable, all right? And so God brings them out of Egypt, out of all this stuff, and they're in a good place. They're not in bondage anymore. Everything seems to be going good. And God said, no, 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 listen, I want you to see something different. I want you to see as I see. And the very beginning of really having faith is the ability to see things that that God sees and see how he sees them. But it's not only good enough that you can see what God wants to do in you and see where God wants to bring you, but it's the second thing is you've got to go, which means that in order for us to get where God wants us to get, we've got to get going. And so this is this idea of seeing and going. They see where God wants them to go, but they now got to realize that they've got to move. I've got to get moving. And, and you notice that in this verse, he says at the very bottom of that verse, he says, do not fear or be dismayed. The only time you're going to see God tell you not to be fearful is when he knows that something you're about to encounter is going to make you fearful. So he says, hey, we're about to go on this journey. It's going to be awesome. I've got this place for you. It's amazing. I've been telling you about it. Hey, don't be afraid. I'd be like, wait, hold up. Wait, what am I going to, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> be like telling your kids, hey, go upstairs. Just don't be afraid. You know? <laughs> Ever had your kids be scared of the dark or the boogeyman or whatever, you know, underneath the bed and they're freaking out and they're coming running into your room and they're all freaking out because of the boogeyman or whatever and you just have enough and you're like, the boogeyman is real. He's under the bed. If you get out of bed, he will eat you. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep the kids in bed, right? Uh, I, you know, I say that because I'm a good, good father. Um, don't say those things. So we got to see where God wants us to go. God has a, a vision for you. He's got a vision for each one of you individually. He's got a purpose for you, a destiny for you. He's got a destiny and purpose for this church. He's got a destiny and purpose for all of our churches. We got to see it. We see it. But, but then we got to get going. We got to get moving. 
And, and so I, I want you to see in Numbers 13, I want us to go to Numbers 13, and we're going to get this story now. So in order for them to go where God wants them to go, Moses decides, you know what, I'm going to send 12 guys to go stake out and spy out this place, the promised land. And I'm going to send these 12 guys, and they're going to go and stake it out, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to tell us what it's all about. So they said, okay, let's do that. So we catch up in Numbers 13, verse 25. The, the guys have gone, they've staked out the place, and they've come back. And it says, and at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So it took them 40 days, a 40-day journey that they went spied out this place, and they come back. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back a word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. So not only did they come back and tell them what happened, they actually brought back actual fruit from the promised land. The, the, the Bible says these fruit were just absolutely massive. Look at the next verse, and it says, And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, come on, how me know that's usually not good. <laughs> However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. Okay, some really big details here. They're strong, fortified, very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev. All right, this is, these are giants. The Amalekites are giants. It's Goliath's family, all of that. There are some big old guys in the land. Look at the next verse. It says this. <clears throat> it says, The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the country and the mosquito bites and all the other bites. <laughs> all these, it's a lot, a lot of ites. Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, Let us let us go here, okay? We got to go, guys. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay, so Caleb comes back, all 12 come back. The guys come back and say, it's a big, they're strong, it's fortified. I don't know if this is going to be able to happen. Caleb quiets everybody, says, hey, everybody shut up. Listen, we can do this. Let's go. Let's get after this. I believe that we are well able to overcome this. Now watch the next verse. This is huge here. Then the men who had gone up with him said, what? We're not able. So Caleb says, we are well more than able. The men say, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. They're stronger than we are. And, and so they brought to the people of Israel, now this is, here's huge, a bad report a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it, they are of great height. And they, there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. I want you to write this down if you're taking some notes. The report you believe is more important than the news you receive. The report you believe is more important than the news that you receive. 
My, uh, my grandmother, I was raised in an incredibly great home. My, my grandparents loved Jesus. Uh, my grandmother was a worship leader. It's a part of why I, I loved worship, and I think a lot of why I do even today. She, she was a worship leader, and so she was all raised in the 60s, 70s, 80s, old school Christian music. Come on, like the good stuff, like Ron Canoli. And, you know, some of, just some of, the, some of y'all have no clue what I just said. You have no, you, you wouldn't even know. Ron Canoli used to have this song called, Whose Report Will You Believe? If anybody is in here, probably most of you will not know this song. But it said, Whose report shall you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Come on now. Whose report shall you Y'all remember? Anybody in here? His report says I am. His report. Only me and Denny and Sabrina. That's it. You know, you know, PB? Y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're like, I ain't saying nothing. His report says I am free. His report says, okay, anyways, victory. So they had this song, and my grand, I, the only reason I know is because my grandmother would play it on the piano all the time. She was like, whose report do you believe? And then we'd have to say, the report of the Lord. That's what us grandkids had to do. <laughs> and it was real high because I wasn't in puberty, so I was like, the report of the Lord. <laughs> She's got a recording of it. But the, the report that you believe is way more important than the news that you receive because here's why. Because fear can turn good news into a bad report. Fear can turn good news into a bad report. And we've all been in life where we've gotten bad reports. Whether it's a marriage or a diagnosis or a job or a situation or a relationship, we've all gotten good news. We've all gotten bad news. The thing about fear is that fear can take even good news and make it a bad report. And if y'all know people that are so negative that even if it's a good thing, they're always negative. Like, hey, I got a, I got a raise. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to probably lose it soon, you know. And then they tell you, yeah, listen, I'm going out with this guy. You know, it's, it's, it's going, it's all right. And they're like, you, do you like him? Yeah, but you know, they probably, they probably going to leave and they going to, like, right? Y'all know any people that like that always can take something that's even good and turn it into something that's extremely negative. And you notice that in this thing, uh, uh, in this story, that the Israelites, are, are the, the, two, the, the 12 spies, 10 of them came back and said, they're stronger than we are. Which notice that Moses never told them to go find out and, and tell them how strong we are compared to them. He just said, go stake out and see how, they, how it is. But notice when they come back, the first thing they do is compare. We're not as strong as they are. They, they're some strong guys. And fear will always want to bring comparison on. That's why God never wants you to compare yourself with your situations. You'll always be in fear. You'll always be in fear because God's always bringing us into situations and into circumstances that are so much greater than we can even handle. And yet in this report, these guys come and they give a bad report. The, the, um, the Ebola virus. Y'all have heard about the Ebola virus? The Ebola virus, if you know anything about how the Ebola virus works, when it gets into your system, it begins to shut down all different cis parts of your system. It begins to shut down your respiratory system. And then it begins to shut down your nervous system if, if you get this Ebola virus. And, and, and I'm here to tell you that if fear gets into your heart, it will begin to shut things down. It'll begin to shut down faith. It'll begin to shut down hope. It'll begin to shut down joy. It'll just begin to shut things down all in your life. And that what was happening in these guys. Fear was shutting them down because y'all know that fear makes God small and makes your circumstance big, right? Fear makes whatever you're facing right now really big and your God really small. 
That's what fear does. That's what fear was doing to these guys. They were listening to the voices of each other. They were comparing themselves to what they were facing. And some of us need to just be careful of the voices that we're listening to because those voices are bringing a bad report. And so that's why we say the report that you believe is more important than the news that you receive. Look at, look at Philippians 4, verse 8. Let me show you what Philippians 4, verse 8 says. It says, so if you go and you read a little bit before this, it says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure. The end of it says, and whatever things are of a... Come on, say it with me. A good report. Now look at this. Whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. But how many of you know our culture meditates not on good reports but bad reports? Watch social media or watch the news or watch anything with politics or watch anything about our city or watch it, just bad reports. And we, we meditate on those. We think about those things. And Paul is telling them, listen, you need to meditate on the good report. By the way, Philippians is written in a jail. Good or bad? I don't know. Do you all enjoy jail? I don't know. What's going on here? <laughs> it, it's a bad situation. But I'm here to tell you, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to have good news to have a good report. You don't have to have good news to have a good report. I believe you can have a, even bad news and still have a good report. I mean, this is the premise of what faith is, that even in the midst of bad news, you can still begin to have a good report in the midst of that. Listen, doctors can say there's no way this is going to happen, and yet we believe the report of the Lord that says I can be healed Come on, right, PB? Come on. How about Mr. Clayton? We believe this. I believe this for our son. You believe that even though that the enemy says this is not going to happen, come on, we believe that Lord is trustworthy and that he's good. And this job says you're, you're, uh, you are fired. And fear wants to come in and says, how are we going to provide? And then we remind ourselves the good report is that God is good. And he's always been my provider no matter what. Y'all with me here? It's not, it's not based off of the report that you receive. It's the report that you believe. Are you believing the wrong report? And the wrong report is what we begin to focus on. The scripture tells us that whatever is of a good report, we can meditate on those things. This is where we are. Numbers 14 now. Look at Numbers 14, verse 6. It says this, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, so those are the two, two out of the twelve spies, <clears throat> the son of Jephim, whom were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly what? Good. It's a good land. Do you notice that you have 12 people that all saw the same thing except one gets one report and one gets a whole nother one. These two guys saw the exact same thing that all the other guys saw. But can you tell that their report is way different than the other guys? These guys come back and say, listen, this is exceedingly good land. This is a great place. Look at the next verse. It says this. And if the, if the Lord delights in us, if he delights in us, he will bring us into this land. And he'll give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear. Here we go again. Don't fear. The people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
Any parents in here have to put on repeat some things with your kids? How many know why you do repeat? Because they didn't get it the first time. So you say it again. You say it again. And you say it again. And you'll see actually all throughout this, Moses or Joshua or Caleb are constantly tell them, we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid. We can't be afraid. Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. Joshua and Caleb saw the exact same thing. They saw giants. But they just had a different report because they believed that their God was greater than any giant. Their God was greater than any city, no matter how much the, the city was fortified or strong. And so I want to I share with you four things that I believe that Caleb does in this moment to remind the children of Israel who God is. And I'm here today to tell you these same things. This is what he says. I call these faith facts. Faith facts. So in this story, or in this part where he shares this with the children of Israel, this is what he says. Faith fact number one, God is ahead of us. God is ahead of us. How many know fear gives you spiritual amnesia? Fear gives you spiritual amnesia. It makes you forget all that God's done for you. Come on, how many of you know we, we come into this place and we sing things like, God, we trust you. God, you're a provider. God, you're my healer. And then you get the report and you're like, ah! what am I going to do? What am I? Y'all with me? You find out you lost your job, you find out there's a relationship that's going bad, and we just start freaking out over the situation because fear gives us spiritual amnesia. We quickly forget how far God's brought us, what he's done in our lives, where he is in our lives. The children of Israel had seen God's faithfulness. Let me just show you just a little bit. They had seen God over the, deliver them from the children of, uh, from, from Egypt by all the plagues that he did. I mean, the frogs, the hemorrhoids, the, the blood. Y'all know about that one? That's a bad one. Don't want that one. The blood. Um, I mean, all that they've seen. They saw God open up the waters. And they walked through the waters on dry land. I mean, they, they watched God bring down bread from heaven and provide water for them in a desert land. God was guiding them by a cloud during the day and fire at night. And so this report comes and they're like, mm, I don't know if God's with us. <laughs> Are you serious? Seriously though, God takes us so far in our journeys and then we forget all that God's done behind us. All that he is taking us from. God is Ahead of us. Here's fact, faith, faith fact number two. Say that three times fast. Faith fact number two. God is asking. Honestly, this should be the, just the number one right here. A person who's seeking God that wants all that God has for him, if God's asking it, then that's, I don't even need to know why. I don't even need to know how. I don't even need to know the details. If God's telling me to do it, I need to do it. Y'all with me here? If, if, if God's saying it, we need to do it. And God's asking them, listen, I, I need you to go. This is where I'm bringing you. This is what I have for you. God is asking. Here's number three. Faith fact number three, God is able. God had promised them. I was reading this in a little commentary. God had promised them the promised land 170 times in Scripture. One, seven, zero. 170 times God had said, the promised land is yours. It's yours. Let me show you one of them. Exodus chapter 3. This is when God calls Moses 
to go, uh, has the burning bush experience. This is when Moses gets called to go actually free the children of Israel. And God tells them, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land, here we go again, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is just one of the 170 times that God said, this place is yours. I promised you this. I'm believing this for you. This, I have this for you. So I just wrote this down. If you don't experience God's best, it's not because he didn't give it to you. It's because you didn't go get it. God has a promised land. He has a destiny. He has a calling on our life. And if we don't fulfill the call of God on our life, if we don't fulfill all that God has for us, it's not because God was shorthanded. It's because we didn't go get it. He, he's laying it out there saying, if you want it, here it is. I've, I've already got it for you. It's ready for you. Just go get it. Just come get it. Just come get it. So God is able. And last one, faith fact number four, he reminds them that God is alongside God is alongside. Any of y'all um, taught your kids how to jump off a diving board? Um, I've, I've had the privilege of drowning a couple of my kids. Um, <laughs> of teaching my boys how to jump. The house that we just bought had a, tra- had a, had a trampoline, had a, had a diving board on it. And so I remember the, the first time I taught Judah how to uh, jump off the diving board. Josiah loved the water. He jumped in even without me. Like he was just that way. Judah was, was not the case. Um, he would get to the diving board and then sit and be like, jump buddy, jump. And he, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't jump. And it wasn't until he finally got enough muster that his brother pushed him from behind and he jumped in. (laughs) But I caught him, caught him as soon as he went down. And just that one time of catching him, and then bringing him back and swimming to the, to the side and then coming back up. Now there was a little bit more confidence the next time because dad, had, dad caught him the first time. How do you know if, you, if they jump and you don't catch them, you just lost them. They're just sitting there like, I'm not jumping again. Their, their ability and their desire to jump is totally based off of their confidence in the one that's catching them. Yeah, with me here? The confidence that they have in the person that's there in the pool will be based off of their ability to to overcome the fear to jump out. So I'm just here to tell you that we serve a God who walks alongside of us, who's actually carrying us even probably more than we even think, and he's there. The Bible says that, that we don't have to fear the valley of the shadow of death, for you are with me. This is what Psalms 23 tells us. So that no matter what we're going through, not only is God able, not only is God ahead of us, and not only is God asking this of us, God is alongside of us. He never calls us to come somewhere that he's not going himself. He's right there alongside of us through all the storms, through all the stuff that we're going through. And the same was with these guys, the children of Israel, that God was alongside them. So how did the people react when Joshua and Caleb said all this? It's a good place. Let's do this. We can do it. Let's see how the people respond. Verse 10. Then all the congregation said, let's stone them with stones. Great speech. Let's kill them. Come on. I mean, that was a rousing, rousing speech. Let's kill them. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. Fearful people will defend their disobedience. That's what these people were doing. They didn't want to step out 
And so they were defending their disobedience by saying, let's just kill the messengers. Let's kill these guys. They're making us all look bad. Let's, let's just get rid of these guys. Hey, how many of you know that sometimes when you stand up for God, you're not the majority, you're the minority? Come on, we had two guys that were the minority that stood up and said, come on, we're going to charge this thing. We can take this thing. God said that he can do it. And the majority of everybody said, it's not possible. We're not doing it. There's no way. There's, this ain't happening. Come on, negative Nancys all over the place, all right? And these guys of faith-filled said, no, we can do this. And notice that the response of all these faith-filled, God-fearing people was, kill them. Kill them. Come on, I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're going to step out and do something big for God, not everybody might agree with you. They might think you're crazy. And so I want you to write this last one down, and we're going to wrap it all up. So if number one, if the report you believe is more important than the news that you receive, I want you to do this. The report you believe will determine the future you experience. The report you believe will determine the future you experience. Your and my destiny and our calling is honestly determined by how we handle fear. Because I know a lot of people that probably could have been doing incredible things for the God, but never did because they were so fearful. Come on, how many you know people that are so afraid that they stay in their house? No, there's really there's a lot of people that are so fearful they won't go outside of their house because they're afraid that if they go out, something bad's going to happen. And fear keeps them from experiencing life. Fear paralyzes us. And depending on the report that you believe will determine the future that you experience. You want, you want me to prove it? Numbers 14, verse 11. Look at verse 11 and verse 23. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, How long would these people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? Man, I've been faithful. I've proven myself. How long are they not going to believe? And in spite of all the signs that I've done among them. Verse 23 and none of those who despise me will what? Look at this. They're not going to see it. They're not going to see it. But my servant Caleb, so, so what he says is, everybody in here who doubts and who walks in fear will not be in the promised land. And verse 24 says, but my servant Caleb, because he has, here we go, a different spirit. A different spirit. He's got a different spirit about him, and he has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Goes in and fast forwards and pretty much says, Joshua and Caleb, you guys and your family will get in. Everybody else, for every day that you went and you said we couldn't do it, which was 40 days, he says, for every day I'm going to tack on a year that you won't enter it. 40 years. So God said, for the next 40 years, nobody, you're, none, of, none of you will enter it. Your children will enter it probably, but none of you will enter it because of fear. And I'm here to tell you today that the, that the report that you believe, you, it will determine the future that you experience. If you believe that you can, if you believe that you won't, if you believe that this, there's, there's no way this is going to happen, I'm going to tell you, that's the exact future you're going to experience. We need some Caleb's that got a different spirit in the house. Come on, we need some people that are faith people, that got a different spirit, and that follow Jesus fully, even if that means going into the places that are the darkest, even if that means going into the places that are the hardest, even if that means going into the places that we don't know if God's going to show up. Come on, how many know as a church, we're going to have to step into some places that seem very uncomfortable, but this is where God's bringing us, amen? 
This is where God's bringing us at as, as a church, that we're stepping into places where it's not comfortable, but he's saying, listen, just trust me, follow me, come on. God's been with our church for 17 years, pushing us further and further along to believe him. Every time we've planted a church, I'm telling you, we've had meetings, like every time we're planting a church, people are like, you're crazy. You're crazy that you would do this. You're crazy that we would step out and do these things. But every time we step out and do something, come on, God brings and he builds. And I'm gonna tell you the same is true for you. Some of you walking in the doors of this church was a big step just by itself. You, it was a big step for you just to walk into these doors. But now you look back and you're like, dear God, thank God I made the first move. Come on, how many of you know, Pastor Jacob says this all the time, we never know what's on the other side of our obedience. Until we step into it and go, God, I'm going to step into this. Now, I'm not going to allow fear. We, we have people this semester that are leading life groups for the very first time. And for years, they never led a life group because of fear. Because they felt like they, they never were qualified. They didn't know what to say. And I'm getting text messages and reports from all, all these leaders saying, this is the best thing I've ever done. Thank you for pushing us to continue to step into this. Come on, how many know fear wants to paralyze you and keep you down and God's continually wanting to move you, move you, and move you out of your comfort zone? Amen? Amen. Listen, I, I want to challenge you today to really begin to think and let God process with you. What are the things that fear is trying to hold you back on? Maybe it's believing for a certain situation or a relationship. Maybe it's stepping out in, in a job situation. Maybe it's believing for a child. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's leadership in some area. But I believe that God's calling us to have a different spirit. I believe that when people come up to us and they want to be negative about a situation, we're just going to have a different spirit. We're not going to speak those things over our city, over our relationships, over our marriages, over our families. We're going to speak the life of God's word over every situation. We're going to, even though we may get a bad report, we believe that there can be good news that still comes out of it. Come on. Amen?